Welcome to the podcast series for the Journal of Neurophysiology. I'm Bill Yates, the Editor-in-Chief of the Journal, and today we will be discussing the article, Parkinsonism and Vigilance, Alteration in Neural Oscillatory Activity and Phase Amplitude Coupling in the Basal Ganglion Motor Cortex. This paper was included among October's APS Select, a collection of the very best original research papers published by the American Physiological Society. Before we begin, let's meet our guests. Hi. I'm David Escobar. I'm a postdoctoral associate in the Department of Neurology at the University of Minnesota. I'm trained in control engineering, and I specialize in electrophysiology and neuromodulation therapies for brain disorders. And I'm Luke Johnson. I'm also in the Department of Neurology at the University of Minnesota. I'm a research associate trained as a biomedical engineer, and I specialize in electrophysiology and systems neuroscience. We are both researchers at the Neuromodulation Research Center at the University of Minnesota, directed by Dr. Gerald Vitek. And here at the start, we want to acknowledge that this research was supported by the National Institutes of Health, as well as MinDrive, which is a, a Minnesota state legislature-sponsored initiative that's really advanced research in neuromodulation therapies for brain conditions here at the University of Minnesota, and it provided fellowship support for both of us. Could you give us a brief introduction to neural oscillations and phase amplitude coupling? Neural oscillations are thought to coordinate information transfer within and across brain regions by influencing neuronal firing. In low-frequency bands in particular, neural oscillations are considered to be mainly associated with synaptic inputs to neuronal populations where recordings are made. At high frequency, neural oscillations are thought to be associated with the spike activity of neuronal populations. Now, the correlation between the phase of low-frequency oscillations and the amplitude of high-frequency activity is what we call phase amplitude coupling, or PAC. This coupling has been proposed as a mechanism of communication within and between brain regions, which in excess is thought to be involved in abnormal brain functioning. Why are these neural activity features believed to be biomarkers of Parkinson's disease? Well, much of the focus in the field has been on low-frequency oscillations in the 13 to 30 hertz frequency range, often referred to as beta-band activity. And beta-band activity is actually a part of normal brain function and plays an important role in motor control. One way to think about it is that beta activity in the motor circuit of the brain is kind of like the brakes on a car. In order to move, you first have to release the brakes and beta has to go down. But if you want to stop or stay where you are, you step on the brakes and beta activity has to be higher. So one hypothesis is that in Parkinson's disease, beta is abnormally high. The brakes are pressed more than they should be, and the ability to release the brakes is diminished. And that leads to some of the classical Parkinsonian motor signs, such as rigidity, slowness in movement, akinesia. And support of this hypothesis comes in large part from studies in patients undergoing deep brain stimulation surgery for Parkinson's disease, DBS in which an electrode is implanted in the basal ganglion nuclei involved in motor control, which is typically the subthalamic nucleus or globus pallidus, and then connected to a stimulator similar to a pacemaker device that sends electrical pulses that can alleviate some of these motor symptoms associated with the disease. Now, this surgical approach also enables brain recordings from these structures. 
And patient studies have shown that when therapy is delivered, either in the form of medication or therapeutic deep brain stimulation, beta power decreases. And that suggests that beta activity is abnormally high in these patients. Now, in more recent patient studies, exaggerated phase amplitude coupling, particularly in the motor cortex, has also been implicated in Parkinson's disease pathophysiology. In spite of these studies, there's still many open questions. For example, how do these features change from the normal to the disease condition? Now, one limitation of patient studies is that you don't have a normal control population to compare to. You know, we don't do surgery and collect these kinds of brain recordings in healthy individuals. Also, in Parkinson's disease patients, you don't know what each person's neural activity patterns were prior to the onset of the disease. And another question is, how do these features change across brain regions within the same subject? We know Parkinson's disease is a disorder that affects multiple interconnected nodes in the network responsible for movement control. In human studies, it is not feasible to record from more than one or maybe two brain regions. That's right. And so in this paper, we present a study that sought to address some of these questions. How did you assess oscillatory activity in PAC in relation to Parkinsonism? So we utilize a non-human primate animal model of Parkinsonism. So in two animals, we chronically implanted electrodes in the primary motor cortex, subthalamic nucleus, and globus pallidus. Neural recordings were first made in the normal state, and then Parkinsonism was induced using a neurotoxin called MPTP, which kills dopamine-producing cells in the basal ganglia and results in Parkinsonian motor signs similar to what is seen in patients. Recordings were then repeated in the Parkinsonian state. Now, this experimental design is particularly powerful in that it enables within-subject comparisons of these putative biomarkers between both the normal and Parkinsonian conditions across multiple nodes in the basal ganglia thalamocortical circuit simultaneously. And another important point is that Parkinsonian subjects can exhibit excessive daytime sleepiness. We use eye cameras and cortical potentials to systematically verify the vigilance state of the animals and classify awake, drowsy, and sleep periods for data analysis. What did you find? We found that in the Parkinsonian awake state of both animals, low frequency power between 8 and 30 hertz increasing the subthalamic nucleus and globus pallidus. This finding provides further support for the role of beta oscillations in Parkinson's disease pathophysiology. Additionally, we found that high-frequency neural activity at around 330 Hz, which is elevated in the subthalamic nucleus in the normal state, decreasing the Parkinsonian condition. This finding illustrates the potential role of subthalamic nucleus high-frequency activity in normal brain functioning. And with respect to phase amplitude coupling, excessive coupling emerged in the Parkinsonian condition in both animals, but it was in different sites in each animal. These measurements were elevated in the motor cortex of one animal, but the external segment of the globus pallidus in the other. Now, this leads us to consider whether a breakdown in signal processing in just one single part of the circuit, which is reflected by abnormal phase amplitude coupling, could possibly lead to or reflect a disruption in the entire motor circuitry and the development of Parkinsonian motor signs. And another relevant observation to make here is that the state of vigilance significantly impacted how oscillatory activity and phase amplitude coupling express in the recording brain structures. 
for example, uh, measurements of low frequency power in the basal ganglia nuclei and phase amplitude coupling in the motor cortex, increasing the sleep state. Therefore, one should carefully assess whether these markers are associated with Parkinsonism or sleep. And we'd also like to point out that oscillatory activity and phase amplitude coupling are non-stationary. They're dynamic phenomena in both the awake and sleep states. There are several figures and a supplementary movie that are included with this paper that we think illustrates this very well. What are the scientific and clinical implications of the work? These findings help us better understand what putative biomarkers are associated with Parkinson's disease and how networks responsible for movement control change in this brain disorder. And this understanding will help us achieve our main goal, which is to improve therapies for the patients. In fact, one of our major motivations to identify electrophysiological biomarkers of Parkinson's disease is that they could be used as feedback control signals for closed-loop deep brain stimulation systems. These closed-loop systems have the potential to deliver therapy more efficiently, effectively, and when it's needed. So this work is important because it informs the development of such closed-loop systems, which we are currently designing and testing in our animal models. But something unique about our research center is that we also have the infrastructure to translate this to patients. The University of Minnesota is a Udall Center of Excellence for Parkinson's disease research that's funded through the National Institutes of Health. And through the Udall Center's clinical research, we're building upon the knowledge gained through these animal studies to further study these biomarkers and closed loop systems in patients with Parkinson's disease. And this, as David said, moves us closer to our goal of improving therapies for patients. I'd like to thank our guests for participating in today's discussion of the article, Parkinsonism and Vigilance, Alteration in Neural Oscillatory Activity and Phase Amplitude Coupling in the Basal Ganglion Motor Cortex, part of the podcast series for the Journal of Neurophysiology. 